The following was recorded at the Seeking Peace Story Show, August 10th, 2017, at the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center in Albert Lee, Minnesota. While Jennifer Vogt Erickson likes to form opinions on big issues, her least favorite thing is choosing what to wear in the morning. She would secretly like to pull on identical outfits every morning like her grandfather did. Her journey toward inner peace will reach a milestone on August 21st. It is the alignment of her birthday, a solar eclipse, and most importantly, the first day of kindergarten for her youngest child. <laughs> In the meantime, she is working on Save Our Hospital activities, and she has given up house cleaning until further notice. <laughs> Nut to Crack Before I Sleep by Jennifer Vogt Erickson. <laughs> My voice might be a little raspy. I was um, trying to crack a nut earlier today in Rochester. <clears throat> My name is Jennifer, and I'm a Leo, born in the year of the dragon. I like long struggles for good causes on the beach, in the legislature, in coffee shops, or in the streets. I'm not really into zodiacs, of course. It may be a paradox, but I'm most content when there's a big nut to crack. In a world where the strong prey on the weak, there will always be something to struggle for. It's up to us to realign the stars. I was brought up in a household I felt very safe in. It was loving and consistent, which it turns out are two of the most important things kids need for healthy development. But I was also naive, until much later, to violence and the consequences of violence that many people experience. I was aware of famine in Ethiopia and wars in Central America, but these were an abstraction to a kid in well-ordered, well-watered Minnesota. The signs were there, of course, that not all was peace and harmony on the home front, but we went about our business and bought into the idea that people who had trouble were asking for it. The first time violence against women really hit home was in 1991 when I was not quite 15. An 18-year-old woman, Karen Strufert, had disappeared after her waitress shift at Perkins in Grand Rapids. Her friends had offered her a ride, but she had declined. It was a beautiful mid-June night to walk home. She was young and athletic. She should have made it home. Within a week, a man made a convoluted confession to police. His conscience was a spade that unearthed Karen with two gunshot wounds in her head from a shallow grave down a logging road not far from where I lived. He and another man had used, destroyed, and discarded Karin in one horrific night in the lonely forest under the indifferent stars. The following winter, the trial took place in Aiken County across the street from my high school. Two of my best friends were in Mrs. Sandberg's Law for Personal Business class, and they observed a day of the trial as a field trip. They described the proceedings at lunch with dampened appetites. I signed up for Mrs. Sandberg's class the following year, and we traveled to Brainerd for observation in the Crow Wing County Courts. There, I learned that strangers weren't the biggest danger to women. The men in their own homes were. 
I was drowsy with cold medicine in the warm courtroom until a man appeared before the judge for domestic assault. He was charged with beating his pregnant girlfriend. That alone shocked me, but the charges read that he had also kicked her in the abdomen as she lay on the floor. This was the first time the reality of women being this vulnerable in intimate relationships entered my consciousness. Fast forward 23 years, and Mrs. Sandberg was in the news herself as part of a story involving violence against women. Her husband, Steve Sandberg, was a sheriff's deputy guarding a man on suicide watch in a psychiatric ward in St. Cloud. The man in custody had held his wife hostage for a week, threatening to kill her before she managed to escape. Somehow, he got hold of Sandberg's gun and shot him with it. The man later died as a result of being tasered by another law enforcement officer, and Deputy Sandberg also died of his wounds. Mrs. Sandberg lost her partner, who was a model husband, father, and community member. The other woman who lost her husband was freed of her tormentor, who had isolated and abused her for far longer than just a week. It had been going on for 25 years, since she was a teenager in rural Aiken County. The following year, Ted Nugent came to our Freeburn County Fair and performed his classic Stranglehold. Without the famous guitar riffs, here are some of the lyrics. You remember the night you left me. You put me in my place. Got you in a stranglehold now, baby. You're gone. I crushed your face. Now, Nugent is not a master of metaphor. It's a song about terrorizing a woman who tries to leave a relationship. And it's arguably his most popular song. I love classic rock, and I was familiar with this song, but didn't catch on to the lyrics until just before the show. And it hit me with the same force as when I listened to the man admit to the judge that he had kicked his girlfriend, aiming the blows at his own unborn baby. Maybe, hopefully, Nugent has retooled his original lyrics to conform to societal norms and good taste. And just recently, in the wake of the shooting at the Republican baseball practice in June, he said he's going to tone down his rhetoric. I nearly fell off my chair when he said that his wife has convinced him that we have got to be civil to each other. I am cautiously optimistic that this nut has cracked a little. I think we can find even more common ground on this issue of violence against women if we are civil and if we include a group that maybe isn't obvious but makes sense because they are often involved in domestic violence incidents. Police. Too many US law enforcement officers, like Steve Sandberg, are killed or injured as a result of handling domestic disputes. It's the top reason police officers get killed by other people in the line of duty while responding to calls. From 2010 to 2014, 20% of the 132 officers killed in the line of duty while responding to dispatcher calls or checking out suspicious activity were felled as a result of domestic disputes. Furthermore, the perpetrators of mass shooting events or terror attacks often also have a history of domestic violence. This was the case at the Republican baseball practice in which a police officer and a special agent were shot but survived as they defended people and brought the gunmen down. It was the case in the Dudley Pulse nightclub shooting last summer. Domestic violence is a public safety issue. So, these underlying issues of women being objects to control, to use as desired, 
and to crush if they exercise free will are really unhealthy, not just for women and their children, but for society and the police who protect civil order. There are many things we can do. Raise our children with different attitudes, fight the stigma of domestic violence, and lower barriers for women seeking to get out of violent situations. Three women die every day from domestic violence, and they are most in jeopardy when they try to leave. We can't leave this to the stars. I think it's high time we have a domestic shelter in this county. I've been working with some dedicated community members on the groundwork for pulling this together. I was thrilled that this year, instead of Ted Nugent, our fair entertainment included Martina McBride, who has been a spokesperson for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Opening a domestic shelter is a way to seek peace on one of the most important, fundamental levels in our community. This is a nut worth cracking. Thank you. The Seeking Peace Story Show was produced by Riley Worth and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. To hear more, check out our Facebook page and the Story Show podcast. Our intro and outro music was composed by Jasper Corey Flatto.